Hi everyone, Simon here. Hope all is good with you all. This is a quick apology message. Dom was recording these Ultimate Raven episodes, so three of them, Strangers with Candy, The Succession, and The Boys, and he did them all in one night, and I was going to leave Zoom on for him and record the audio and sort of, you know, then manipulate it and make it sound up to our normal audio standards. And unfortunately, I fell asleep on the sofa. Whoops. So completely my bad. Dom recorded the audio through some software that he had at work. And unfortunately, the audio quality isn't up to our normal Raven standards. And uh, it's completely my fault. I fell asleep. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry to all three of you, to Ed Harrison and to Chuck my sincere apologies the episodes are still awesome amazing content so please listen my apologies for the audio quality you know we take pride in our audio quality now that we actually know what we're doing so thank you apologies still great podcast episodes and content so I really hope you enjoy and thank you so hello and welcome to the Ravens a movie and tv podcast i'm dom and tonight i'm joined by the one and only king of the discord chuck chuck how are you my friend doing pretty good how are you doing i'm not too bad at all thank you so much for joining me on a different link we had a few technical issues but we've made it and we're here uh tonight we're going to be talking about your ultimate raven choice so for those of you that are listening to this that weren't sure what the ultimate ravens were the ultimate ravens um the ultimate raven was an additional tier that we added to our patreon level um where you could select a tv show and i would watch um like three seasons of your show now quite luckily everyone that was picked a show picked a show with three seasons but i, I think except ldg who's, who might have had a fourth I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, like every, so, your show, Ed's show, and Harrison's show, all three seasons, uh, and no more, which is brilliant. So, would you like to introduce the show that you selected, Chuck? Because I think oh, definitely. Like so, it. yeah, when this first got announced over the Zoom, you singled me out, and you were like, "He's got something on his mind." There were two shows on my mind. This was one of them. The other one, I, I'm telling you right now, I could not find anywhere online. So I will leave that for now under wraps. But the second show I thought of was Strangers with Candy, and I thought about it. It's perfect. I know it's three seasons. I know that it was only ten episodes per season, so he could be in and out real fast. Boom. So exactly, it was it was totally totally doable, uh, and an achievable goal. And what a show you picked! So just just for a little bit of extra context. Uh, Chuck picked Strangers with Candy. I'd never heard of it. So this was a was it a Comedy Central show? This would yes, this was a show on Comedy Central. It came out in about late '99, and I can give you specifically like I remember. I think it was a show that originally when it was coming on was like I think like ten o'clock on Sunday nights. At this point, Comedy Central. It was around for a few years, but there wasn't really much going on. And then 97 happens, and here comes South Park, and that just opens the floodgates. And as you'll learn as you were watching the show, yes, let's address the elephant in the room. A lot of things in the show have not aged well. 
Yes. In particular, with a lot of the language. Yeah. <laughs> first, I mean, that's something that we'll come to, definitely, because there, yes. there's elements that, like, need to be discussed, uh, like, throughout the entire series. But um, the, the, the kind of additional context of it being an early Comedy Central show really, really, like, makes sense. And as soon as you put it on, it's got that kind of filter to it that's kind of like a sepia filter, isn't it, on, on the camera yes. because of just, just the older camera work. Um, and the way the show is put together, it doesn't look like it has a particularly big budget. But as the show progresses, you start to see people that are now huge superstars, you know, and not like super, super famous for, for, for what they do. You know, it totally um, blew their load in the, in the series finale like that. That would they were your, they were your biggest guest stars right there, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Winona and, and Paul Rudd, right? Yes, yes. So we're going to ruin that straight off the bat, but Winona Ryder oh, and Paul Rudd are in the final episode of Strangers of Candy, which is just bizarre. But also, do you, would you say Stephen Colbert or Colbert? Do you say the T? I always said I always said Colbert. I don't. I don't. I I, tr- I tend not to pronounce the T. So I always I say yeah, Colbert. I think that's the right way of doing it. Colbert. So Stephen Colbert is in it. Um, he was instantly recognisable to me. I have to say, I think. Is it the is it Principal Black Principal Blackman play, played by Greg Holliman was yes. recognisable to me and I couldn't work Which out is why. Surprising because he's maybe the least well known of them and I really haven't as I like was doing like extra research I hadn't seen him in anything else really. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna have a look now quickly. Ah, uh, he's in The Fugitive randomly. Okay. All right, but a, like a really really tiny part. So that would probably be the only point i've ever seen him and i've just remembered the face so yeah very and just and to get that out of the way what his name his last name is blackman because he was a black man like it was that simple <laughs> that, that's exactly seems to be the the, the theme of it basically yes is let's it's kind of simple writing but also there's some really clever comedy moments in it so like there's one bit that stands out to me and that's when Okay, so Jerry Blank. Let's let's put this into context. Jerry Blank is the is the main character, and yes. Jerry is forty eight years old. Yes. Well, she, I guess she would have uh, been if you were if we were going to say the show ran for three seasons and she was eight and she would have been forty eight, but she is forty six. The character is a forty six year old. She was a teenage runaway, and now she's starting her life back over, and she's literally starting back where she left off. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's a good place to start as any. Start right at the beginning, you know? <laughs> so, what a concept for a, for a show as well. Is, do you know what? We're going to have this runaway that is all of a sudden, um, uh, like, decided to go back to school, uh, and that's just absolutely crazy. So this we have this 46-year-old runaway who's um, lived this crazy life, I think, like, we find out... What if I told you this was based on a true story? No. It, okay, remember, based on a true story is... That term Oops. itself, you have to remember with a grain of salt. <laughs> Here's how the, the origin of the show is two ideas. Amy Sedaris... So all four of them were from Second City. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the with Second City. It's a comedy troupe. Um, to just throw out names who have been part of that, Bill Murray... John Belushi, John Candy, names like that, Eugene Levy. They were part of like a later group of that. So she had this idea of doing a show that was basically parodying after-school specials. Now, I don't know if over there in England you guys got like those after-school specials that were like supposed to be educational to, to steer to steer kids straight, you know, keep them off of like, you know, the, the bad path. 
we got them here, and it's one of those things where the, you want to talk about something that hasn't aged well. Those are just hard. They've aged well in the best way because they're so like unintentionally funny. And that's where she wanted to, to do this. She was like, I see a lot of humor in this. I want to do this. The second part of the idea comes from Paul Danello, who plays the the, um, the art teacher, uh, Mr. Jelinek. Um, he came across a bootleg tape from the 70s called The Trip Back. In this, in this tape, there was a woman named Flory Fisher who was a 46-year-old ex-drug addict, and she was making a living as a motivational speaker going to high schools and talking to kids. So one of these speeches gets taped, and he finds it amongst how everybody in the 80s and 90s came across bootleg tapes by tape trading. So he gets a hold of this tape, and there's two things that stand out. that if you, And then you can watch it on YouTube. You can actually find the, the tape, and it really – She's a very effective speaker, but she's very intense, and it's it's almost com- to the point where it's almost comical. He noticed that. The second thing he noticed was she looks a lot like Amy Sedaris. So if you Google this woman named Flory Fisher, and you take the Jerry Blank character of how she looks, it's that's why she looks that way. And you will also notice that in this tape of the motivational speech. You'll, if now that you've watched the show, you'll hear things from the show. They literally lifted lines from this woman's life and put it into the show as dialogue. So when she says, I like the pole in the hole, <laughs> that's from the speech. <laughs> and, of course, the boozer, user, loser, right from the speech. I mean, that puts it perfectly into context as well. So Chuck has basically just explained that the show is about this 46-year-old woman that's had a really like a difficult life has become essentially a drug addict or I dare I say prostitute has gone to prison and has now decided at the age of 46 to, to become a freshman at high school. And I had absolutely no idea that there was like this truth behind it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty like two similar ideas come together like that and then off to the races. <laughs> but <laughs> So, so what what kind of drew you to the show? Like when, like, so Comedy Central, it was released in '99, the first series, and went up to 2000. So I think the last two seasons were made in 2000. Is that right? Yeah, it would have like I think it ran until like maybe October 2000 because I think like the third season came on like right after the second. Like it was pretty nice. like a succession. So what's what's pulling a, a young Chuck into this TV show? <laughs> And that's the thing, because a lot of the humor went right over my head when I was, like, 12. Like, a lot of it did, other than the the obvious sight gags. But I think it could have just been seeing the advertisement for it and maybe watching something lead-in show into that or whatever maybe movie was playing at the time. So, like, you know, 10 o'clock. I mean, I'm supposed to be asleep, but I'm not. I have cable in my room, so I'm just watching TV. And that that's the show that would be on. So. And and it's it's to just to jump back to you saying like the after school special kind of thing. So we didn't necessarily have after school specials, but there'd be TV shows on that would have you know something relevant like don't do drugs, kids, it's bad, and this is why, and you, you kind of get the explanation. And every episode of this show kind of does that. They start we start off with a scenario and a situation and a problem, and it escalates and it goes crazy. The episode <laughs> is absolutely bonkers, and then at the end we have. Um, kind of like a, a summary as to why you probably shouldn't do something, but you're going to do it anyway. And it's, yeah. it's the moral. Every every episode does end with that moral, and the moral is just it's not a moral. It's the opposite. It, it's like telling you, yeah, do it. So basically, whatever she's saying at the end of the episode, do the opposite. Yeah, 
basically. <laughs> I know there's some impressionable Ravens out there. I don't, I don't want them following in this woman's lead. <laughs> there's some very impressionable Ravens. They'll, they'll yes. definitely be stealing televisions and finding their way to prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure. Now, I never noticed this until I watched a – there was a Q&A, like maybe a couple years after the show ended, I found it on YouTube. I never noticed that other than her announcing her age at the beginning of the show and then later in the, the later, last two seasons when it's part of the theme song, um, her age is never brought up. Nobody ever makes a reference to it. Like, it's she's just a normal student. Well, normal. She's not normal. Um, but is anybody in the show really normal, though? Like, you, you kind of catch that pretty fast that this is a very yeah. surreal world. I, I thought Stephen Colbert would be normal, but he, he isn't. So it, like, you get hints and glimpses of potential normal, and he, he just isn't at all. And it's just this bizarre world that they've created that um, where it's kind of accepted to not be normal, isn't it? And, and that's the thing. And I suppose it's not really until the last episode where they're like, um, you've got to be a cool kid like me, you know, and, and, and the last episode of season three, this is um, where Winona Ryder is trying to turn uh, Jerry into being this, this cool kid. And, and although some of the commentary um, and themes in the episodes are kind of like real life themes, it's just so bizarre. And there, it, there isn't one character that stands out as being normal. I mean, like the art teacher that you mentioned a minute ago, when he... <laughs> he's, 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 in, the, he's the worst. I think in terms of normalcy, he's the least normal. <laughs> in the episode where he quits as well, and he's like, I'm taking the kiln with me. And he's just dragging it. it is, he's dragging it into the, the boot, or sorry, the trunk of his car. And he's trying to drive away with it. And it falls out and he comes back for it. And then when he asks for his job back and he's dragging it in with him, it's just, uh, Chuck, you've picked the most bizarre program I've ever seen. And I mean that. As I've never seen anything like this before. That, that, was my, that was my intention. Well, I wanted to see what other people were picking first. And once I saw what people were picking, and I'm, I was like, okay, I think I'm good. Because if someone picked something else like this bizarre, I would have been like, I'm going to back off. I'm going to back off. <laughs> more but I do watch some normal shows, believe it or not. So. <laughs> Well, I, I know you watch One Tree Hill at least, so oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one thing. Um, like I, th- there's one thing that stands out to me as, a, as like a funny moment, and and there's lines that are like it throughout in every episode, but one in particular where Jerry is picks up a violin and is like an expert at the violin, and um, she kind of goes, "Am I good?" And Stephen Colbert, who's playing, is it Chuck no- Noblet? Noblet? Oh, um, yes, yes. The, the the teacher, playing the teacher, says, "No, you're you're better than good. You're gooder." <laughs> and lines like that really work with me. I like that sort of thing, um, and and that is kind of littered throughout all of it. Every episode has got has got moments like that, um, but there are a lot of moments that I would say don't hold up. Um, exactly. I, I and struggle. I've got to admit, Chuck, they were a struggle to watch. And I, I under, yes, and I that's why I, I think I can specifically say episode four of the first season. Yes, yes. Which is a shame because that episode has maybe one of the f- most infamous scenes where he's he's saying, "Please bring in your permission slips," and the one girl says, "Where's your permission slip, Mister Noble?" And he just shut your dirty little mouth. Yeah. Like that line is like a meme. Unfortunately, the rest of the episode, yes. 
Yeah, and uh, do you know what? I'm really glad that you, you, you're kind of on board with that as well, because I was like... Oh, oh trust me, yes, oh, yes. Oh, my God, what if Chuck, like, really loves this now, but you're, you're a sound guy, so I know you're not going to... Where the show does it... I mean, now, if you were just to take that word out, and then you could just see the over the absurdity of where they were going with it, there's where the humor lies. First example, now, I'm not going to repeat this, but the episode with the um, the graffiti with the racial slur on the board and you have the, um, by the, you have her brother who, by the way, that brother's great. <laughs> he's, he's just like a, her, him and the stepmom are great foils, but you can tell that they were only used intermittently because you can only do so much with them. But there's that scene where him and his two cronies are like, you know, interrogating the guy. Cause you know, they don't, they're not going to stand. They're not going to stand for this racist crap. And then the big fat guy goes, the only thing we hate more than racist is, and I won't say the rest, because he literally says the only thing we hate more than racist, and then he dr- literally just drops another racial slur, which is not mm-hmm. funny. But there is some co- comedy in the aspect that he is so that they're so anti-racist, but they're so they're so warped that he still follows it up with another slur. Like you can yeah. you can appreciate how just off the wall and random that is, but of course, no, you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it just. It, it doesn't fit anymore in like this day and age, but no. you can almost understand that their their attempt or, or what they're trying to say is that some people are so stupid that they will do this. And yeah. some people are so dumb that they'd, they'd say this sort of thing. And we're satirizing it. We're pushing it to that extreme because we want to highlight that that's fucking wrong. But we're, we're, you know, we're trying to resolve that situation. But, it, I, like the the episode with the graffiti, so I, I'll say it, it uses the N word, uh, and obviously the episode we we're talking about a minute ago is the R word, and it's all so like a gritted teeth. I have to say, I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, I don't, like if this continues, can I continue? Can I carry on watching it? It's, it's just so much. I did, I did carry on watching it. You know, I thought I've got to get through it. I've got to do this for Chuck because um, we've got a lot to talk about, but. Yeah, those those episodes. Made, made but then there was like the flip the side of that, where there was another episode where I mean they don't use the N word, but when they when they do it when they're doing a school play of Raising in the Sun, and then knowing that Raising in the Sun, if you know that play, you know who, what it's about, and then them literally just casting all the white kids to play the parts. That, that's satire. Like that's just per, like like that's just like you know. But they really hammer it home when they're saying, who's going to play the heavy set African-American mom? And it's Jerry sitting next to the, who would have been, should have been playing the part. And he picks Jerry. And it's like, yeah, that, that's where it works. That's where it's effective. And it, and it's not as offensive because they're yes. clearly trying to tell a joke. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and those are the moments that you kind of hold out for. And they're the ones that, that I think have the biggest impact as well. I think, cause you know, there's a whole, the whole episode of, Okay, Jerry, we want you to stick around with this girl because she might be a R word, yeah. and, and 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 it's literally that for the entire episode. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is this is hard, this is tough watching. Um, and then and then you you do get the moments of ah, uh, they're making fun of just society. They're, they're they're making fun of society because society just is dumb, and at that time was extremely dumb. Um, some of it isn't any much better, you know, isn't any better, but. It, we're working towards improving the world, I guess. But yeah, yeah. and of course, the the other elephant in the room is the um, the f word, not the word fuck. Um, 
in regards because it usually, especially targeted towards the brother as a way of disdain, even though that's it's 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 that it's that horrible. I mean, it's that typical '90s. Like it's just be, it's just they're just using that word as the insult. It's 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 a it's it's wrong, and it, to the point where she actually when they like I mentioned earlier there was like a Q and A in 2003. So it was like the four main cast members who were doing a Q&A and they had the rest of the cast down front and they introduced them all like halfway through the thing. And when they introduced the actor who played the brother, she's like, I got to confess, I don't even remember your character's name because I don't think I ever called you Derek. And because as you know, she, when does she ever call him Derek? Very rarely do you hear her say that name. It's always a an offshoot of the F word. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's always a like, like a horrendous word back basically isn't there and it's yeah yeah that, that's a really good point as well like she's never going to remember the the character's name because she doesn't use it and yeah but i don't know i mean i have to do some google on this could this could jerry blank be the first bisexual character on tv do you know she, what I, the, the she the, might the, be the bisexuality of it and w- went really under the radar as well like it's 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 like she's throwing it in your face, but no one reacts to it. No, not like at all. There's, there's moments. There's a moment where she says to like a, a young girl in in one of the later episodes, like in season three, I think it is. Like, oh, I wouldn't. You, you know, I'm thinking about you chained to a radiator and naked or something like something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, where the fuck did that come from? And the girl's <laughs> like, yeah, well, and just carries on, and it's just like that's just life. And it's like anything Jerry says is like not really heard. She, I guess she's our kind of narrator in a way. So we're yeah, hearing we have, everything. Yeah, they do have not. some of the – you do have, like, I guess what you consider more of, like, your straighter characters who don't really have anything – who don't really add anything from a comedic standpoint, but they're just there. They're the ones who mm. really are just to no-sell everything, and that's where the, the show works. It, I don't think it would work as well if, you know, she was sitting on her friend – I guess her name – was her name Tammy? Yeah. She was constantly hitting on Tammy to the point where she even, like, had her – she had her like in the. Uh, I mean, it was like on the second episode of the show with the uh, the, the uh, whole incident with the baby in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, you can, just, just giving it. little details with no context, and people are going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, well, they're going to have to go and watch it. <laughs> if I had to watch it, they have to watch it. <laughs> exactly. I think. Yeah. Like I said, Simon. Here's your ammo on Simon. I, I, although I would say, yeah, skip episode four. Skip episode. Four. <laughs> yeah, move on from that one. Just jump straight over that one. And, and I think actually, what I was telling you about the show, and I know you were going to find it. I told you that there were episodes misnumbered because a lot of times they they will include the the unaired pilot, which I've never actually watched. It is on YouTube, and that has that word right in the title, and it's like, oh god. <laughs> so Why? it could have just, I, yeah, it's, and and I can tell you right now, like it was. It was the t- it was this the sign of the times. It's just it, that's the, I mean we can't change that. And Comedy Central were just riding so high with South Park that this little show that comes on on Sunday nights at ten o'clock is not going to get a lot of people watching. They could get away with a lot. They never had. They got pushback on one thing that they were going to be allowed to do and they didn't do. And it's regards to a, the second season with the um, the blind football player. <laughs> <laughs> a bizarre episode as well <laughs> where they wrote in a scene where he was going to have a lawyer and the lawyer was going to have some sort of um, mental disability and they had and they just couldn't fit it into the episode they were going to do it and they didn't and they've all said thank god we did because it would have been pretty well, 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think that's for the best. So, with, with this 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 blind lad basically is swimming in a swimming pool. Jerry swims up to him and he says, "Oh, sorry, you know, I'm I'm blind." And she she tests it by splashing him in the face with water, and his eyes basically don't move. Uh, and that was like, "Oh, okay, I've proven that you're blind." Um, and like this, just a crazy moment where it's just like, "Okay, we're going to walk across the road." Uh, and and he's like, I don't need help walking across the road. I've been doing it, you know, my whole life kind of thing. And she's like, oh, you know, okay, fair enough. He's like, no, okay, you can help me. And then he just gets caught up in a horrendous, like, accident and all sorts of stuff um, and manages to make the football team at the end of the episode, which is just crazy. And it goes as well as it should for a blind man playing football. But just mm. – <laughs> um. Yeah, and then just that that scene, the the scene that I just love in that is the um when the uh the brother and his cronies once again are you know they're tormenting them and they sh- they the lemon and the paper like it's it's so like what the fuck is this but it works because <laughs> they don't even know what it is just pure pure craziness is is there is there anything like so it's like comedy like you were saying about Comedy Central is it's almost like they're at a time where anything they put out will just be accepted. And it, it just kind of feels that way, because uh, I remember South Park, uh, it was absolutely huge over here as well. Comedy Central then sort of like appeared over here. South Park appeared over here. I think it was on like our Channel 4 at the time as well, um, because it was it was just so big. It was such a big hit. And then you've got shows that kind of like this, that sort of are, are following it and going, wow, South Park's like, really pushing the boundaries and saying some things that we've never said before or, or you know, no one's really satirized in, in, a, in a comedy context. And, and it's like this show has taken that and then run with it and really, and, and really, really run with it as well, like to, to an extreme at points. Um, but I can't, I can't think of any shows that are like this. I, I can't place it. I, I mean, are there any? Are there any that you know of? Like I said, I had some other ideas. Um, <laughs> um, I can th- I, I can think of like on Comedy Central since you mentioned South Park. I'm not sure if you remember Drawn Together, was like an animated show that was kind of like a parody of like I guess you could say it was like a parody of Big Brother, where it took like it took cartoon characters who were like you could tell by watching these cartoon characters who they would have should have really been supposed to be. Like you even have like a, a Pikachu looking character. Um, <laughs> And that they're all living in a house, and it's so. I I need to you know I, maybe when I'm gonna I'm gonna downgrade and then I'm gonna slumber and I'll upgrade again if I end up watching the show maybe I'll that'll be the one but it's pretty out there like the humor is pretty twisted but I will say one thing about Stranger Than Candy is as bizarre as it is all the the basic parts of the plots mirror a lot of other high school shows. We get a clean teen episode, basically. Oh my god, I was just gonna say that as well. Like yeah. season two, episode one, right? Is the is the yes? You know, it's good to be a virgin. You should be a virgin. Wear this badge, and they've got like a rosette. And then um, you know, we've got this forty-six-year-old former <laughs> prostitute going. Well, I can't be a virgin because you know of everything I've done in my life. And the teacher's like, you can be like a a reformed virgin and like born again kind of thing and she's like oh okay and i was like oh my god this is clean teens this is like drama shit this is real this, 
I'm just going to say it right now. Jerry Blank is the virgin that mouth deserves. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Oh, my God. People need to go and Google that now. (laughs) Right, that's a Discord like picture in the making right there or a yes, video, yes. whatever. You've but, got to make that happen. I'll be the only one that fucking gets it, but you've got to do it. <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and it's just a great episode because this is what, the, the, I like this episode because she actually kind of, she kind of gets, it's one of the few ones, times where she kind of gets the leg up. She's not the made to be the, the loser in the episode. So mm-hmm. it was a pretty empowering episode. She, her way of getting revenge was a little ridiculous, but it worked, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I I get what you mean about the the kind of the leg up. She's got the upper hand, and, and I I think that's because she's not a virgin. And they're saying, you know, you need to or like you could be one, you could be one again. And it's just like this is the first time we see um, Jerry's experience coming to play, uh, and and kind of getting away with it as well, which is just bizarre. <laughs> Have you got? Well, I gotta back to the, the blind episode because then, if you remember, she decides she, she's gonna see what it's like to be blind. <laughs> oh, and the yeah, she's got the blindfold on, and oh. and she and there's that scene where she really wants to take it off and she can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like if there's a show for putting together every possible stereotype, um, and poking holes in it and making fun of it this is that show yeah and i guess another thing that hasn't it depends on how you look at it has it aged well the um so you have your two i'm not without really giving it as a spoiler because it's a pretty it's one of the only consistent plot points of the art teacher and the history teacher um you can say that maybe that like well i'll just get it out of the way they they, they're having a a tour at love affair (laughs) now in today's age, that should be welcomed, but at the same time, I can also see that why they also keep it quiet, not only because they're both – well, one was still married to a woman, but they also should keep it quiet because they're coworkers. I don't know. That probably wouldn't really fly. It, and yeah. It shouldn't. I don't think teachers should be dating each other anyway. I don't care if it's – I don't care of, of the sexual orientation at all. That's not the important part. Two teachers shouldn't be dating if they're working at the same school, especially this school. <laughs> well, this school is just messed up completely. This school's messed. Up. So, uh, so, as you were watching, and now you get to, so you get, so this show didn't have any, like I said, nothing really major continuing from episode to episode. But you get one two-parter, um, which was I think called the Blank Stare, where the, the, the cult. Yes, the Jerry. Stare. And did you notice right now? You're pretty observant. Did you notice right away? It's like, wait, there's a cult, but the high school's a cult. Already, Ooh, yeah, and it was like we need to we need to break her out of that cult because she belongs yeah. here. <laughs> because throughout the show, Principal Blackman is everywhere. Yeah. His picture is everywhere in classrooms, and yeah, so it's he's just more upset that there's a cult infringing on his territory. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, I hadn't quite clicked properly, but now you mention it, like. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just so just letting you know. So Simon and Tessa did their boy meets world wash along. I'm just gonna let them know this is how you do an episode about a cult. <laughs> <laughs> because you get that 
Now, did you know? How did you feel when you got that to be continued and you go into the next episode? Did you have a feeling where it was going to go that direction? I wasn't sure that she would ever be like stuck into it and believe it because she she even like changes her name, doesn't she? And her name Sycamore. is like Sycamore. <laughs> that's Sycamore. it. So she's like, yeah, I'm now Sycamore. My name is Sycamore. Like, I and they sing that fucking song over and over again. And I just that, didn't think she'd get captured. I think I thought she'd just keep joking her way out of things. Um, I also have a feeling that that song may not have aged well either. I I didn't really look into it, but I have a feeling that may have been like a song that like was sung in the 1600s. <laughs> it may not. Yeah, that may not also be a very. <laughs> It definitely hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it may, it very may well be. I could tell. I feel like I heard, I saw someone else singing it, and once I heard someone else singing, I'm like, oh, this might not be. Good. <laughs> but yes, Bezos. well, the, the, the main, the, the main joke in that, in that, in that two parter was that yes, she joined the cult, but nothing about her changed at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was, if anything, worse. And it was, oh, you know, the, her main reason for joining is that they convinced her she was beautiful. <laughs> like yeah. that, that was it. Like, you're beautiful. And she's like, no, I'm not. It's like, but you're beautiful. You're beautiful. you got to stay. And then, like, I can't remember his name. What's the name of the actor that is the cult leader? Al, is it Alan Tudyk? That's it. That's it. Who that's made, I think he was like, dating Amy Sedaris at the time, and that's why. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> and he's like, you're beautiful, Jerry. Uh, isn't she beautiful, everyone? And they're like, uh, 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 isn't she beautiful, everyone? Yeah, you're beautiful. And she's like, oh, I'm beautiful. And then she changes, like, to be sycamore and is, like, believes that she's beautiful. And the way they convince her is by showing her, like, herself. <laughs> like, you're not beautiful. <laughs> Fucking snap out of it. But, yeah, and, and this is probably one of the best – well, she – now, this character – the stepmom was great throughout the entire show, but this is when her, her at her best. You get these scenes of her and the brother and her, I mean, her stepbrother, which is the mom's son, sitting there in tears, crying. Where's Jerry? Where's Jerry? And it's Jerry now calling them on the phone to let her know she's joined the cult. I don't. We're never gonna see her again. Phone rings. Immediately pick it up. <laughs> Fucking hang it up. <laughs> like, so, so the the stepmom had. Uh, my favorite line, I think, of of, of the whole thing, where um, I can't remember who brings her in. I think it's like the art teacher or someone brings her in and says, "Oh, we need we need someone who loves her to to talk to her and bring her around." And she's like, "Well, I'll have to, you know, we don't have anyone here who loves her, but I'll do I'll do. I'm her stepmom, you know." And it's just like fucking hell. It's brutal, but brilliant. <laughs> oh, she's she's just bad the whole time. I like to think that this. So if you remember, I hate to go back to One Tree Hill, but we'll, we'll go back to One Tree Hill for this for. I got a good point to make here. Um, so if you remember, Peyton lived with Brooke that whole summer when they graduated high school. So did you realize now that meant that Peyton lived with Victoria for a month? Could you imagine that, that, that living arrangement? That's probably what, like, that's probably very similar to Jerry and her stepmom. Because you just have to think that she just woke up every morning and saw Peyton laying there and was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> fuck this shit. I've never considered that from a One Tree Hill point that that there's an overlap. That's but if you do one. remember that she's like, "Oh, I'm going to live with you," and then and it's like, "Oh crap, Peyton lived with Victoria for a month. That must have been fun." Yeah, that must <laughs> been horrendously. I like to think that, yeah, because this she's very much like a Victoria. This character, she almost way worse because 
she just does not like this girl at all. She oh, not in the slightest. Who would like a forty-six-year-old stepdaughter? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to. It's you can sympathize with her a little bit. Um, one character we ha- we haven't really touched on or talked about is Jerry's dad. Please yes. explain Jerry's dad. Jerry's dad is very is basically he's just a catatonic. That's it. He but he can move. He moves around. He clearly can get from point A to point B. He drives her to school sometimes. Um, but he, every time you see him, no express, like, well, I mean, he has an expression, a very shocked expression. It never changed. The expression never changes no matter what it is. So he's at a teacher conference. There he is. Very shocked look on his face. And I think the story is that that's, that, I think that's, was his reaction when she ran away and he just never changed. Well, which is amazing because that meant he fathered a child since then and, you know, or maybe that was his. I think, or was that supposed to be his reaction to her coming back? I don't know. I forget. I have to look that up. But the problem with the father is you can only do that so much, and that's why you get a, a, another. You get a pretty heavy episode there, although it's not really that serious. <laughs> I think the other plot line of that has to do with like a potato sack race. Uh, oh wait, I remember it now. Was that when she had the? Oh God. <laughs> I didn't watch rewatch every episode, but now I'm remembering. I think she had a there was a potato sack, and she was her and her dad. It was a father daughter team, and they won, and it was very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for those that haven't quite captured the imagery of like what we're trying to explain about um, Jerry, the main character's father, is that he's literally frozen in this catatonic state continuously and he's put into different places and different positions. I mean, we see him in the bath and he's in the dining room and, you know, he is, at, you know, sitting in front of principal Blackman and, uh, at, you know, and they're like, calm down, Mr. Blank, you know, and stuff like that. There's all these things where, you know, he's not said anything. He's just frozen and he's frozen in the craziest position possible. So like his hands are like claws his face, his mouth is wide open. His eyes are wide open. And his head is, like, tilted back a bit. And it's all, like, it's just bizarre. Honestly, Chuck, this is the nuttiest TV show I've ever watched. <laughs> Mostly for the dad. <laughs> I'm flattered. I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you've done yourself proud, I have to admit. You, you, you're the only one, I think, that's so far picked something that is just... I have to say, just so left field. <laughs> okay. Now now, now I'm going to – what if I told you there was a movie? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I only know there's a movie because I saw something on IMDb earlier. It's so, not um, that bad. I just – I think I remember watching it once and then never watching it again because it's really no, – it's basically just a soft reboot of the show. The story is that they came across a, a, a booklet of lines that they never used from the show that Jerry said and just made a movie out of that. Um, it doesn't work as well because of some of the recasting. Um, the entire family's recasted, with the exception of the stepmom. The the canatonic dad is replaced with um by Dan Hedaya. I think it's how you pronounce it, Dan Hedaya. I'm, 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 if you've ever seen a Night at the Rocks, did you ever see a Night at the Rocks, Barry? Uh, no, I'm not seeing it. Okay, I'm trying to think of what else he would be in. Um, <laughs> he's been in a lot of stuff, but instead of a canatonic dad, he's just in a coma. Yeah, they recast the brother, um, but there are some interesting um, 
another that movie just like has a lot of um people before they were famous in it. Chris Pratt I think plays like the um the would be love interest who is dating the mean girl of the school, and the mean girl is played by Clean Teen Shelley. To bring it all back around. <laughs> <laughs> just is just fits perfectly, doesn't it? It just this it does. is it does. the precursor to One Tree Hill. <laughs> yes. And like the film was made in two thousand five, I think. So it's the quick yeah. like quite a big gap between leaving this project and then picking this one up again. Yeah. And like I said, it was just kind of thrown together, another small budget. Um I think the thing I think what right away when I knew the movie was going to just be just okay was if you remember the cult episode when they went to go save her from the cult and there was like we got to meet her here and they get all they all get in the van and they just drive to the other end of the parking lot. They repeat that bit in the movie where she literally now lives across the street from school and it's like mom driving to school oh fine and literally the car just does a U turn and parks in the, it pulls into the parking lot it's like oh it's the same joke. Uh, There's some recycled <laughs> stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Chuck, how would you like to to round off your episode? So, this, I, I really enjoyed talking about this with you. Um, I, I was incredibly surprised about um, the, you know, um, the amount of comedy that was within the show. Really surprised by how badly some of the comedy is aged, that you know, and some of the the elements that they were putting in there. But you know, I understand that it was you know. 90s, 2000s, early 2000s humor um, that has not aged well. But what what would you you know? How would you like to round it off? Do you want to do some judgments on it? Do Do you want to kind of pick a favorite? Is there an episode that stands out to you as a favorite episode? I I always go well. Yeah, I guess the season finale of season one, which was titled "The Trip Back," when she falls back into the um, into a drug crowd. And once again, why she falls back into smoking weed because she's attracted to a female classmate. Yeah. Once again, I'm completely oblivious to her um, advances. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually think the episode where she's got syphilis is is the is the other episode where, although she's given it to a guy, she mentions giving it to a girl as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just all over the place. <laughs> yeah, she got it in the back of a, ca- a taxi cab. And just that that whole scene with the cab driver and then the payoff at the very end when after all that happens, she was going to meet him again. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the fact that I said that there's an episode about syphilis might turn people away from the show. (laughs) You never know. There are some people that might head towards it. So there you go. Well, like I said, aside from the like a good chunk of the humor not aging well, there's a lot to take in here where it's just it's this almost predates. I guess I'm not sure if you've ever been a fan of Eric Andre, but he it almost it it kind of like introduces that whole anti comedy approach to it, where we're going to take something that's not really funny and just make fun of it. Mm-hmm. So there's exactly. still a lot of that to be taken in there too. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. So. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that that comes off well, and it and is played well, and is is you know they 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 push um, kind of slapstick bizarre comedy to to a to a limit, and a limit that we haven't seen for a very long time, and we probably won't get again. I think the world is too PC now for oh, exactly. um, 
for for that kind of for that kind of comedy. But I, I mean, just some of the 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 people that were in the show, um, like it would be interesting to see kind of like that what they think of it. Like the Winona Riders and the, and the Paul Rudds, you know, they were in an episode each, you know. How do they feel about it? You know, what's what was their experiences? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And Stephen Colbert is in it all the way through as well. He's in every episode. So to, to kind of find out, like, I mean, I mean, he's like massive, isn't he? Huge torture host now, and everything that he's done uh, in his career. You think this is is this just a stepping stone? Probably. You know, it's just it's just what happens, I guess. Yeah, because this was at a time when he was basically known for more for being a writer. So he was writing yeah. for a lot of big things, and then as still because they were all basically like a the, the, like, with the exception of um, Principal Blackman, the other three were like really tight. They like they were the ones who really put the show together. They were friends for a very long time. I think even Paul Danello, who played the the uh, art teacher, dated Amy Sedaris. I don't even know when they broke up. They says all I could ever see is that they dated for eight years. It was probably way before the show. I th- they're still friends to this day. She's like, I think like his kid's godmother. So, and Amy Sedaris, you see her, she's not Stephen Colbert famous, but you see her in a lot of stuff. And they always have to stress what you see on the show is not what she really looks like, obviously either. Yeah. Like, there's a lot put into that character that where, and you actually see at that very last episode, you get a glimpse of what she really does look like. And now you've seen her in other things and, She's probably right now doing her best work, like she at least in terms of being out there and accessibility. I mean, I mean, she's become kind of a breakout star on The Mandalorian. I personally don't find that. Show. I kind of got bored by the show. I never got that far into it, but I remember seeing her just carrying around little uh, baby Yoda and just thinking that's a fucking I, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucking Jerry Blank and baby Yoda. Like, that's a team right there. <laughs> And the first thing I can think about is her carrying a uh, little baby Dizzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they would be unstoppable as well and hilarious, um, that that combination. So, yeah, fantastic. So out of out of 10 then, Chuck, what would you rate um, kind of the whole the whole three seasons of, of Strangers with Candy? What would be your, your sort of personal kind of rating? I would love to give it a ten, but I will deduct two points for the the um outdated some of the outdated humor. So I'll give it a, a solid eight. There's still a lot to be that that can like this is like a textbook definition of a cult show. Like mm-hmm. this is a show that like you'll still see people talk about a little bit here and there. Like you know, it's they keep it tucked away because it's kind of like it's not a show that you're like, oh, I watched Stranger Candy. What show is that? Like you can't bring it up because nobody fucking knows what it is. <laughs> so well now i know and i'm i'm gonna happily uh i'll happily reference it with you <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect. So i i think i'll give it i'm gonna give it a seven and i'll give it a seven because there's some good comedy moments there's some good funny bits there's some there's some big stars in it as well um but but the the, the bits that shouldn't be in it anymore really shouldn't be in it. And, like, even there's some bits that probably shouldn't have been in it then. Like, um, it, I was going to say, why the fuck does she have a Confederate flag? <laughs> like, it's just oh, like... It, yeah, it's just up in a room. Was it in a room? It's in, up, yeah, up, it was up, in the room, yeah. Room. Yeah, it's yeah, just there. But, I know? mean, wasn't there a... I'm just trying to think. Was it... It didn't say... 
I thought there was something that said Joseph Stalin on the wall as well. Probably, yeah. So she covered it. She covered all of her. She covered everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just like, that's a, yeah, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. So, yeah, those elements um, make it a bit scary, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, she's a very, uh, very chaotic person, so it would make sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm very gray, like, in the face. Um, Chuck, this has been fantastic. It's been awesome to talk to you, and it's been great to talk to you about a show that, that you picked. I was going to say that a show that you love, but I'm not necessarily sure this is a show you love. This is a show that you just wanted to torment me with. So, uh, well done, sir. I, I, you I, picked I, a great one. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I'll put it that way. Nice. Yeah. Well, if anybody fancies going out there to watch uh, Strangers with Candy, give it a go. Watch season one. Skip episode four. Get yourself to the... Um, the, the 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 double episode uh, in kind of like the middle of season two maybe maybe towards the end of season two um where there's like a pretend cult because that's quite good and then a few others in season three which which are pretty good as well but um and then chuck will have someone other than just me to talk about it with as well so chuck you've been brilliant thank you so much for joining me you've been the best and uh you are an ultimate raven so thank you so much and Shall we do the, the traditional Ravens on three at the end? Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, let's, do we got to pick an accent? I don't know. I can't think of one. Should we pick a – I could try and say it like Principal Blackman because he was quite quite posh, really. He had quite a posh voice, didn't he? Yes. But, and, so we'll go for it. And, and a very good roller skater. So when you saw him roller skating, that was legit. <laughs> oh, really? That was real? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Oh, there's one thing I didn't mention is that there's a shower scene in the school, and that freaked me out as well. <laughs> well all the teachers were just taking showers. Well, the teachers are just taking showers. showers. See, like, that, like I said, it's, it, a lot of the humor is just so bizarre that even if you don't find it funny, you're just, your first reaction has got to be, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> okay. And also, so, every, per, every historical death they mentioned, just like, by the way, J- John F. Kennedy did not get syphilis from... <laughs> Fidel Castro. <laughs> yeah, and uh, John Lennon. Uh, oh yes. When, when, when did when did Mark David Chapman give John Lennon syphilis? <laughs> no. <laughs> like it's so bizarre and out of left field that you just. I, I'm telling you right now, John Lennon is somewhere right now. If he heard that, he'd be late. <laughs> He's over there. I've got a picture of John Lennon. Oh, there you go. Okay. I, I'm sure he would appreciate it. That John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would appreciate it. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best principal uh, Blackman impression. Very proper, <coughs> very sort of stern voice, and a good announcement voice that he did for the school. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ravens on three. One, two, three. Ravens. Ravens. <laughs> all right, that was awesome.